Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. And Beer 52 are back on board this week. We've teamed up with them for the Six Nations to bring you free beers sourced and curated from the very best breweries on the planet delivered straight to your door. Each case of eight free beers comes with an award-winning beer magazine and some snacks as well. And there's no minimum commitment, so you can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think, and you can pause or cancel at any point. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer, followed by the number 52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers for free, and you'll be supporting the rugby pod as well. You're going to need those this weekend, Jim, when England absolutely pull Scotland's pants down at Twickenham. What, like Quinn's pulling wasp pants down and nearly putting 50? <laughs> on what happened? Them. Did that happen? I mean, that I've happened. Been, I've not seen it. I've been on drugs all weekend because of my uh, operation. So uh, I am absolutely fucked. Are you recording the podcast? I don't know why I'm asking. I can see. I think that looks like a bed. What do you call it? A bedpost? A bed headrest? Headrest? Yeah, it's a big old bed, mate. It's a super emperor, I think they call it. Of course it is, mate. The emperor. Hey, of course it is. <laughs> Pablo, Pablo the emperor. Does Pablo sleep on there as well or not? No, Pablo does not. This is where the magic happens. And I say the magic... Uh, it's about 30 seconds of me giving it my best shot and the missus being disappointed, I'd say. But yeah, I'm doing it from bed. I'm, I'm here for the troops. I had my ankle pinned and plated. The gout removed. On Friday. Basically, they broke my tibia and fibula, cracked into the bone as well, put a something in there to widen it, straighten them all up. A clamp. Yeah, a clamp, a clamp, put a load of pins in there, plates in there, galore. I am, I've been on so many drugs. Tramadol. Oh, my tramadol, that's all I'm saying. Andy Rowe, I went on your stag do over the weekend. It was unbelievable in Ibiza. How was it? How was there people? <laughs> Mate, it was unbelievable. I had six, I had a six-pack. There was I was tops off on the beach uh, at the pool parties. I can't remember anyone else being there. but I How had did time, I look? Was I not there? Uh, mate, I don't know. I had the time of my life. Pretend I was, I was there. Pretend I was there. Jim, you were there looking. How did I look? Hot, hot as shit. Really? Mate, <laughs> you, had your, <laughs> you had your aviators on. Uh, looking t-shirt cool. on t-shirt would definitely no, have been on mate you went for a vest you had a vest on oh, okay alright cyclist arms yeah yeah so you had your tats out on your arms but you you went for the old um, denim jeans which I wasn't sure about yeah de- denim jeans shorts yeah so uh, but mate we had a great time uh, was I my stag do well, mate, you were the stag, so you, we just put you to bed. He wasn't even early. there. Andy Rowe wasn't mate, even there. Who, who cares? All I know is it was the best time in my life and then I've woken up and I'm in a pool of sweat with my leg absolutely throbbing like fuck because I've had pins and a plate putting it. Like the week after Hong Kong you wake up with them sweats it's just like fear. It's like who? What? Where? I'm telling you now what I'm waking up with now is worse than the fear that we had in Hong Kong. You, you're waking up with Pablo? I'm, I'm a bit annoyed really with the missus because she's got rid of Pablo for a few weeks uh, and since I came home on Saturday all she's fed me is a few grapes. I'm fucking starving and I'm raging. I need some food. Um, so yeah it was it was just surreal really because you you've been there Jim when you've had an operation and the whole thing comes around when the anaesthetist comes in and you know starts puts you on the bed and fills you up with a few drugs and you're like oh this is the best feeling in the world and you're just happy you love everyone and you're just thinking oh what a feeling and then you wake up three hours later you ain't got a fucking clue where you are you're in agony I'm like what have you done to my leg you're still overweight. There's no, there's no gastric band. You, you, you've still got the extra flaps. You're like, what's going on? It's in a dream. Yeah, I went in for a new weave, a bit of liposuction and a new ankle. And I've only come out with a new ankle. And that's fucking killing me right now. So um, yeah, times times are good. But I'm waiting for the pictures to do the rounds of the 
of the willy picks that were taken on the operating table because <laughs> I'm telling you now, the operations that I've had, the, the dehydration, and it must be minus 45 in them. They must operate on me in a freezer because yeah. when I come back round, I can't wee. <laughs> I can't see it. It's it's so little. It's um but yeah, but I'm glad you're all right anyway. I'm glad you're all right. Pablo's apparently not working anymore. Have you been downstairs or not? Uh I went down once today and tell the sweats that going downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Well that 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 gave Pablo 15 minutes to get into the store cupboard. So Pablo's <laughs> not working these last last few days. Yeah, of course. How are you, Jimbo? I'm buoyant. I'm buoyed. I'm the boy. Uh, energized this uh, this week. Um, had a really good weekend actually, um, and it came at a good time for me personally. The last couple of weeks, been feeling quite down. The kids are running up the walls because they're not at school. But we've been running this Doddy Aid uh, challenge throughout January. We're obviously now into February. We're into the last week, and today we're recording a day later on Tuesday. The message come through: over a million pound raised. So unbelievable stuff. And for any of the listeners have got involved in the Doddy Aid challenge, doddyaid.com challenge, uh, your snoods will be coming soon. Bl- genuinely blame China. They've come from China. They've taken a while. I don't want to get political, but I don't know what's happening at the borders. There's something happening. They're coming from China, but they're now in Scotland, which is a good thing. And they're going to be delivered. So apologies for the delay. But the main thing is, is that we've raised over a million pound. And on Saturday, I joined the World in a Day cycle. Um, I did three different stints. I did about an hour or so. And you had people on there cycling on static bikes. Some were rowing 240 odd miles, 280 miles individually to raise money. And we had a few different guests on. It was mental. So hugely inspired by that. It made me very upbeat. I was thinking about Goody. I was thinking about Pablo downstairs but he's not there he's at home uh, whilst Goody was doing that and I was I was happy to be healthy and happy that I was involved in an amazing cause and you know ultimately without going too deep about it is when I spoke to the thousands of people that were cycling and we were all on zoom we were talking about it we were talking about the lockdown situation that we are clearly in now the highs and the lows of it and i've been low the last couple of weeks i'm high this week uh goody is properly high because of the tramadol and <laughs> to be a part of the doddy challenge and the solution to finding a cure for mnd via the amount of money we're trying to raise to do that is I feel that I've had a bit of a purpose this month and the money that's gone into the pot and I think that everyone involved in that challenge, it's credit to them because if, and the the rumours and stuff that's coming out in the news, that the science is now accelerating because of the money that's been raised, Rob Burrow, Ken Sinfield raised over a million pound, we've raised over a million pound this last month and I was a millionaire for about a second when I saw that come through, I realised it weren't mine. It was going to a higher cause. And for that, I'm very proud. How do you go to your target, Jim? Goody? I had to take a zero off mine. I had 2,500 miles and then I just took a zero off because I'm blaming the web. Not that I'm a man of excuses. I'm normally, you know, as a leader, as a captain, I'll get out there, wind, rain or shine. But it, was, it wasn't any of them. It was, it's been snowing and... My life matters to a lot of people, you know? And if I'm falling off my bike, breaking arms and legs, I can't be the dad that I need to be. You know, I need to be able to press that button on the TV remote and turn Netflix off and put Disney Plus TV on. And if I can't do that, 
I ain't a good dad. So for the, with that in mind, I went from 2,500 miles down to 250, but I did 350. So, uh, so I've actually gone over the predicted miles that were predicted with an extra zero, if you get what I mean. So I've done quite well. I wouldn't say an extra zero, I'd just say an extra 100, but minus the 2,150 that you didn't do. Yeah, don't worry. How many were you? Hell of an effort anyway, mate. Hell of an effort. Well, they stopped me playing golf. They stopped me playing golf. I can't run. I couldn't cycle. My ankle's fucked. Um, but I partic- I donated. Let's just say I-, I donated. You went in calorie intake. You've put a number in there and you've gone daily calorie intake, <laughs> 5,000 liquid miles. Boom, I'll take it. Well, the calories are down, mate. Just eating grapes and a couple of yogurts. I need to get my calories up. As I've been thinking about you, Andrew, and in your big, what's it called? A penguin bed. Super, super Emperor, I think it's called. Okay. I don't know where I've aligned Penguin with that. But <laughs> Emperor Penguins. There you yeah. go. Chuchum. I had this chat with Beck because we don't have anything else to talk about apart from saying to each other, how naughty have the kids been? We need to shout less. And Jim, do you want to help out with the schoolwork? That's the constant circle that we talk about. But I'm interested to know, front or back, do you sleep on your front or sleep on your back? Uh, I f- sleep on my back and sides. Sides, sides. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I got told actually when I woke up from the operation, I might have sleep apnea. No. Yeah, where you stop breathing. Yeah. Where you snore. You stop <laughs> well, if anyone was going to have sleep apnea, it was going to be you, Andrew. <laughs> you, you are again not being a sleep doctor, but I probably should be. You look like a man who would have sleep apnea. <laughs> I, mate, I sleep like a king, to be honest. Uh, but maybe I just don't breathe all the way through it. So, well, how do you sleep then, Jim? I'll be back. All right. Well, we'll have a look at the Premiership action from last weekend later on because Please. we know yes, Goody we to. really wants to talk about how Wasps took 50. Ooh. But the Six Nations starts again this weekend and it's Scotland's year, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> they say this every year. Over to Jim Hamilton to talk absolute garbage about Scotland have got a chance. This is our year. We're building. Finn's back. <laughs> we might win one game. We might win. To- Fuck it. We're going to win the Grand Slam. Here we go. go. Over to you, Jim. The Grand Slam might be too much this year. (laughs) It might be, but we've got a chance. Or have we? I'm going to put in the phrase or the two words that I used a couple of weeks ago on this podcast about the situation we find ourselves in. I'm going to use the same analogy for when I talk about Scotland. Who knows? Oh, no, that's one word. That's one word. Absolutely shit. Oh, who knows? If you look at Scotland, right, in terms of the pro teams... We, they, it'd be we if they were performing well. They haven't been performing very well. So you look at that and you're thinking, we might struggle a little bit. You throw into the mix, we've got a bit of Finn back. He ain't struggling for form. He should be pretty good. You put into the mix that England are struggling up front with a few players injured in the scrum. Is that going to come into it? You put into the fact that there's no fans. So does that take the edge off? the game for the Scotland players. And then you come back, I put that all into the mixer, put in that into an equation and it comes out with, who knows? All you need to worry about is the, the last game. Your fifth game is the wooden spoon decider as ever at Murrayfield against Italy. I don't think that far in front. Don't think that far in front, <laughs> Andrew. I'm trying to think of a victory for you because that's possibly the only one you're going to get, is it? Uh, we'll see. It might be, look, if, if you're asking me, my expert opinion, and I'm there, pitch side, believe it or not, Picture the scenario. I'm there at Twickenham on Saturday. I've got to drive down on Friday because not allowed to fly or train. B 
be in a safe bubble or whatever, which would be lovely. I'm actually going to leave on Wednesday, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I've got to be at Twickenham on Saturday, and I'm leaving Wednesday just to be safe to get there. And then I'll be traveling back up on the following Wednesday. Just I don't want to be too tired driving, the energy <laughs> expended. But I'm there with Sir Cliff, I mean Sir Clive, and Johnny Wilkinson in an outdoor studio. So you've got two World Cup heroes, and you've got the Bushwhacker Gym with them at the side of the pitch. Can you imagine? I've made it. Mate, I'm so happy that you're there for that pitch side analysis, pre-match, half-time, post-match, because you know, you've got two English legends there in terms of the 03 World Cup. Johnny's a legend, you know, as a player, phenomenal. And Sir Clive will just go on about the 03. See how, see how quickly it takes Sir Cliff Woodwork to get in talking about drop goals or anything like that. Did I call him Cliff or not? Is this Because this went viral on social after we were in the studio before and I dominated Paul O'Connell before the World Cup. Apparently, I called Clive Sir Cliff. Is this? I've, I don't look back in the archives. <laughs> I think you called him Clive Woodward, and then you called Ian McGeekin Sir Ian. So you went Clive, who was a Sir. So you could have called him Sir Clive, but then you also called Sir Ian Sir Ian. So you showed respect to a Scotsman, but a lack of respect to an Englishman, and they are both Sirs. Is Johnny a Sir? No, he's not. He's, he shouldn't. He will be. Call him Sir Johnny and just call him Cliff Woodwork. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so I'm there anyway. So I'm there holding the fort for the Scotland masses and I'm looking forward to that. Genuinely, I'm dead chuffed for you, mate. I'll give you one more line before Goody talks about why England are going to put 50. Uh, they're going to put a Quins on Wasps. Uh! Scotland, we have got a chance, but we, if we're going to go into a bit of detail about it, we're not very good at taking our chances close to the try line. Most of the teams now, that well, most of the top five teams, when they get a sniff of the try line, they're over. Scotland, we've got too many errors in us. So we might be able to pull something out of the bag. You know, Finn playing at 10, the teams won't get an actual Thursday, I don't think. There's talk of Cam Redpath playing 12. We've got Duan van der Merwe on the wing who scored a wonder try against Ireland, can unlock defences. There's talk of Gary Graham potentially playing eight. Jamie Ritchie, if he's fit. Hamish Watson, we've got a really good back row. Johnny Gray, Scott Cummins in the second row, two quality players. We're down to our third choice hooker. So hopefully that won't be a problem. George Turner's a wicked player in the loose, but it's about set piece at the highest level. Hoggy at 15, he didn't get much opportunity in the last few games that he's played, but we know how good he is. Darcy Graham on the other wing. So that we've now got a quality of players. It's just about, again, without giving you rugby nose jargon, it's about just putting it together. And we notoriously don't start very well the first game of the tournament. So look at the World Cup, 28-0 or whatever it was against Ireland. You look at when we went to Wales a couple of years ago, first game, John Barkley spoke about it before. Apparently Scotland were favourites. Got absolutely hosed in that game as well. Notoriously, we do not start tournaments well. World Cup 2011, we nearly got beat by fucking Romania in the first game. <laughs> Was that your fault? No, I weren't playing. I played against Georgia and Amadon the week, the week after 9-3. So, <laughs> notoriously, we don't start tournaments that well. I mean, it is uh, so many parameters that make it tough to call. I think England are favourites and relatively big favourites as well. We are tough to beat, but when you look at the nuts and bolts of this England team at the minute, the injuries that we've got up front, the fact that Jamie George hasn't played since December, nor has Maratoji. Billy's only played against Ealing Trailblazers. Um, obviously, Owen Farrell will play. He hasn't played since then. And they're, they're not excuses, but they're reasons that a bit of doubt could creep in if you're outside the camp. Uh, you know, you're hearing rumblings of these boys, Elliot Daly as well, another one. These boys are, are you know fired up, ready to go. They're well-rested. 
And so it's like ordinarily they'd have come off the back of a couple of European games and then gone into camp. So you've you're either battle hardened or you've carried a niggle. There's no excuse for those boys to have niggles. And I don't know. I just the effect of having no fans there. You know that rivalry with Scotland and England over the last three years has been absolutely massive. Um, you know you go back to the game two years ago when or three years ago now actually up at Murrayfield when. Scotland got in England's faces and ended up winning the Calcutta Cup. You know, the bit kicked off before the game. A lot of that was the emotion driven around the occasion. Now, you've got to provide your own emotion this week. Um, And England, uh, you know, they're used to winning. They're used to playing a comfortable style for them that isn't flash. Uh, It's just damn effective. And, you know, you're hearing some of the quotes that come out. Maratoji ain't bothered whether he gets caught, the England team get called boring or whatever. It's all about winning. Eddie Jones talks about the team being impossible to play against. Um, and they're just going to make themselves harder and harder to beat. And that is around discipline. That's around physicality, around set piece and, you know, winning that kicking battle. Now, I've got no doubt Scotland have got a couple of absolute world-class game breakers in Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg that can cause England massive troubles. But, when you see those two playing at club level, they're surrounded by top quality players as well in those competitions and they shine. Is there a lot of expectation on those two boys to be the the difference? Are they going to try, is Finn going to try too much because this is a massive stage for him? You know, and let's not beat around Jim's bush. When the game two years ago at Twickenham, when it was 31-0, I think, to England, Scotland had nothing to lose. Finn bought the magic out and... Ended up being 38-31 to Scotland. And then George Ford saves the day with a try under the sticks after coming on as a sub to to keep our record intact at Twickenham. Let's not forget, Scotland haven't won at Twickenham since, what is it, 1984 I, I, or something? I, I, I might have been one or two. Don't worry about history, Andrew. Let's no, I know. I, I, but it, I'm just saying, you know, that is the history of it. Does that help Scotland this week that there's no fans there? Possibly. Um, you know, when you're having to create your own emotion and uh, noise, uh, you know, does Finn get the same buzz off trying things in an empty stadium as he does in a full stadium? Who knows? Um, but, you know, Scotland have threats. That's not, you know, I, I come on here a bit jovial sometimes and dismiss Scotland because it's Jim and it's a bit of banter between us. But it wouldn't surprise me if Scotland put on a hell of a show and took England to the wire. It really wouldn't. But it also wouldn't surprise me if England won this comfortably by 30 points. And that's not being arrogant. It's like Jim says, who knows what's coming? Can... Scotland cope with England's power up front, and that's even without Mako. So you, Genge will start. Um, Jamie George, world class player. Will Stewart will he start a tight head or will Harry Williams start? Marrow in the second row does he start with Courtney Laws or Johnny Hill? You know both quality quality players. You know the back row will be Billy, probably Mark Wilson and uh, Curry. You know I think Ben Earl will probably come off the bench. So you know the fact that we're missing a few, you still name that team, and geez. It's it's a phenomenal forward pack. And I think England's power, England's ability to put so much pressure on opposition uh, and play the, the brand of rugby that they're playing at the minute, it's not exciting. We ain't going to chuck it around from everywhere, but it'll be damn effective. And, you know, you could equally see a 20, 30 point England victory. Well, many consider England favourites after winning the 2026 Nations and the Autumn Nations Cup. And we can have a chat now with their defence coach, John Mitchell, can't we? John, thanks for coming on the show. We're getting a world exclusive here. Let's just pretend that because you've just uh, come out in the media that you've signed a new contract. So let's just pretend that it's a world exclusive just for (laughs) the rugby pod. You've decided to stick with the wind and rain 
and the lockdown and no fans. Um, what made you come to that decision? Obviously, massive news for England. You've, you've had a huge impact on that team. A really easy decision, uh, Jim and Eddie. Like it's, um, for me, I really enjoy the professional environment uh, that w- that's presented here. Uh, it's a real uh, learning environment as well. Uh, there's plenty of upside in the, in the player group. And then there's the fact just that, you know, being in this environment, you know, you've got to evolve. Um, you've got to challenge to be, you know, to bring better practices uh, uh, to the players. But I think the the main thing, I think a, a bit of experience coming in, in here now, and what's not something I've always done pretty well, is that, you know, like you just tend to take for granted. Um, it takes bloody time to to build relationships with people. And, and I just think I'm at a, at a stage where, with that investment and relationships, uh, you can can pay off even more uh, going going forward. You know, and also pretty grateful as well, mate. Like it's a tough world out there, and um, yeah, I, I'm just excited by the energy and the desire of the player group wanting to get better. And to me, that's something I want to be part of. And was it a case of um, the fact that Eddie Jones and Matt Proudfoot had to go into self-isolation that you could write your own check for this one because you were the only senior coach that could go into camp on time? So you've written your own check and it starts with a five or a six? <laughs> Actually, um, thank God we did lockdown uh, for a bloody long time. Obviously, in the first one where we all got used to virtual. So uh, there was still plenty of virtual going on, mate. Um, even when we were up in St. George's, uh, it was pretty cold as well. Uh, but yeah, no, we we got Eddie back and Matt back, um, yeah, reasonably quickly, um, and so the the ball kept moving and the boys uh, boys got into it. So um, yeah, it was a cold campaign. Like it, we even got snow one of the days. Well, that's the joy of the Six Nations this time of year as well, John. We look at this game at the weekend against Scotland from a Scottish perspective. It always is the biggest game on the calendar. It might be slightly different for the players now as it being the first game of the tournament. It's obviously the whole tournament. But from an England perspective, how do you look at this Scotland team? So we're starting to develop. We've got some really good players coming through now. But you're assessing it and we can talk about Finn Russell in a, in a little while. But on a whole, how do you look at this Scotland team evolving? Yeah, this team's, um, this team's good. Eh? Um, Scotland have always been a tough opponent experience uh, it confirms that. I mean, the last three fixtures uh, confirm that between the, the you know the countries. Um, but for me, is like they've changed their game slightly. You know, since the World Cup, they seem to be more more into you know, got, you know tried the World Cup with a possession based type style. Then have come probably coming into more to a contestable kick approach and and you know obviously want to feed feed off you know counter attack and. Um, and um, some crumbs, you know, from the air. So yeah, and they, um, yeah, they, they set piece well, uh, and they have clearly got the ability to contest on on the floor. So they've got they've got a number of strengths, you know, like um, and they're, they're growing as a, as, a, as a group. You know, effectively in Scotland, people still believe that the Calcutta Cup's here. Two years ago, thirty eight all draw, which effectively Scotland feel like they won. Last year's game was a, basically a non-starter because the game was so poor with the conditions. So there's a feeling in Scotland that we've still got the Calcutta Cup here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was atrocious conditions last year, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, we we got the upper hand that day. And then you, that in 2019, you know, like uh, yeah, we had a pretty good first half, and then you know Scotland had a terrific second half, and we we did extremely well to uh, to, to to get the draw. So. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, the great thing about this fixture is you just can't button off, you know, at any point in time. And the, 
in the performance. And if you do, you know, like um, you, you can get hurt. So, yeah, this is a, this is an 80-minute 80, 80 plus for us. Yeah, like um, there are going to be times where we're going to have to absorb. It's going to be times where we're not we're going to be untidy. Um, so we're going to have to endure all that and be resilient and, and stay calm because, you know, like it's a great fixture. There'll be plenty of pressure. Yeah, plenty of havoc. Yeah, like um, yeah, no, it's it's always a it's always a really good test match. Yeah, it certainly will be. And, and looking at what you've done before, John, I love the video of you putting your scrum cap on and the Italy shirt back in November time, um, <laughs> barring up for for a contact session. Who's dressing up as Finn Russell this week? Have you got the skill set to pull that off in the opposition's attack going against your defence, or is someone else out there pretending to be Finn Russell to put the boys under pressure at training this week? <laughs> you know, we um, we like to bring a bit of creativity. Um, uh, to to the working week, um, so we'll see see what we've got up our, up our sleeve this week. But um, you know, going back to Finn, mate, um, yeah, he's uh, probably the best uh, best fly off the world in terms of attacking kick. You know, you see space well. Um, you know, he can play off the cuff. You know, he can look for self as well. You know, like in in slow situations. So you really your anticipation and your awareness, you know, of of that area, you have to sort of kind of take it away from him. but you know like you as you guys know you defensively you can't you can't defend for all the space um you know like and um, there's always something you leave open and he has the ability to find it so yeah we're gonna have to work um extremely uh what's the word cohesively um as a, as a backfield and as a as a nine to make sure that we can anticipate um can anticipate those attacking kicks um but ultimately end of the day he's also gonna Going to receive pressure as well, um, so it's it's what's important there is that we've got to have the constant energy and 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 desire to create that uh, to create that pressure, so th- th- those opportunities become less and less for them. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of the focus is going to be on Finn Russell back in the Scotland team after last year not being part of the Six Nations. But let's focus on England. It, it must be pretty difficult at the minute to uh, have the preparation that we've had. And we've seen we've got a few injuries. Uh, a few of the Saracens players haven't played since the autumn. Focusing on ourselves, how important has this training week been so far? And uh, the boys will be raring to go shortly by the weekend. No rustiness at all you're worried about? Um, responded really well in, in camp. Yeah, we have a strong training methodology that's often talked about. Players are ripped in, uh, energy, effort, all, all those things, all those factors that you would expect anyway to be good um, coming in. So they're there, but it's like anything, you know, everything I should say is we always want to get better at our basics, making sure that our basics um, handle pressure. And, uh, you know, like um, obviously we're into the second day now of, of test week. So, the, you know, the, the pressure of training um, and competition will step up. Um, so you can you can really sense there is a there, there is a test week and there's something something awesome you know, to aspire to at the at, at, at the end of the week. So yes, I mean we've got some energy from from some some new youth and we've got some some good experience and you know, going back to the guys that are that are that the perception that haven't played a lot of rugby is that normally you know you know it's like it's pretty pretty much a slog for most of the guys having coming out of Europe um, in the past. Whereas really, you know, some of the guys have had a it almost like it's been an excellent preseason. So mentally and physically, they're they're very fresh, and they're very keen to get at it. So to me, that's um, that's uh, that's a huge advantage to us. Always wondered in the England team, a team that's so successful, obviously made the final of the World Club, littered with fantastic players. Is how do you measure success in a tournament? So you go into the Six Nations. What does success look like for this England team? Yeah, success for us is that we. 
we want to get we want to get better. You know, number one, we've got to win. You know, number two, we want to create healthy competition uh, for players because if we create that, then um, then you got players pushing each other each other, and then that drives performance up. Um, so yeah, our, our, our performances, we 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 want to get better. We want to be challenged. Yeah, you know, we just we want people to come at us and. And, and we expect that, and um, and ultimately, end of the day, those challenges are going to going to make us stronger. There'll be a lot along the along the road. There'll be at times you know, a little bit of disappointment here and there. Yeah, you know, that's something you've got to handle, isn't it? If you if you if you want to get better, so um, um, yeah, there's a lot of unfinished potential within this group, and we've we've got to we've got to realise it as well. So we've just got to take another step in the Six Nations. Yeah, good stuff. And lastly, from me, we know Eddie Jones brings his dog to training sometimes. Um, is there someone, the young kids, Paolo, a dog group, perhaps new in the camp, Harry Randall, are they having to walk his dog or uh, does Eddie do that himself? Eddie's, <laughs> uh, uh, Eddie looks after his, his dog himself. Um, the uh, At the moment, I think uh, we're trying to work out who the, who the tallest is between Harry Randall and, uh, and, and Simon, uh, Simon Amor. <laughs> so uh, there's a bit of a t- uh, competition going on there. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Well, best of luck for the Six Nations and let's hope we're Grand Slam champions. Yeah, cheers, Andy. Thank you. Have a, have a good game. I'm supporting Scotland, obviously, this weekend um, just because that's my heart, my blood. My, I don't know. You sound I'm half English. Scottish. I'm half Scottish anyway. <laughs> no, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks. Good bloke. Good lad. Good bloke. Good, good bloke. bloke. I think what I've got from that, Goody, is maybe all that I've got from that is they just want to get better. <laughs> they do that's their mantra I don't know I don't want to judge and try and overthink what he was saying but I think they just want to improve yeah and also we don't know who's taller Harry Randall or Simon Amor but I need to know who's walking Eddie's dog it must be George Ford that's the only way he's getting in the team it can't be on form can it but hey listen it was great to have him on um, you know good bloke he um, you know he spoke frankly about signing his new contract which you know he he's got every reason to and he was honest about the situation the pandemic we're in he's delighted to be able to sign a new contract so um yeah really nice to have him on and uh here's for a massive england victory hey jim and he called me jimmy there's only one other person in my life that calls me jimmy well there was two there was two my mum yeah calls, calls me jimmy and papa used to call me jimmy uh rest in peace so only two people and john mitchell england defense coach he must like me. There you go. How do you think Wales is going to get on? And what, what does a satisfactory tournament look like for Wayne Pivak in the eyes of the WRU and the Welsh public? Oh, gosh. Jeez. I mean... Pressure. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Like Freddie Mercury said, under pressure. Do, 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 do. That could get copyrighted. It sounded that good. Um, <laughs> he is a man under pressure. That is for sure. So... What does success look like for Wales? Uh, did you put a number of where they finish? Is it not? Is it not winning the wooden spoon? I don't know. I don't want to be horrible. It is really. It's a, it's a hard tournament to call this year, isn't it? Because you can make arguments for a lot of teams to come with some form. You know, Wales could they bounce back? Are they going to continue on this? You know, poor run of form. You know, people talk about Wayne Pivak being under pressure. Are they going to get rid of him at the end of the Six Nations if things don't improve? Well, you're looking around the world going who's there for the job. So unless you go Scott Robertson. Um, so is he under pressure for his job? I don't know. Is it too late to change him now pre-World Cup in um, 2023? I, I, who knows? They've had some injuries, haven't they? They've had a lot of misfortune around that. You've got to stick with him. Like they've, You can't yeah. 
the issue for them is is there's no no gaps well there's no gaps and there's like you've got Ireland first game so yeah. the pressure of having their first home game against Ireland now you remember Scotland in the Autumn Nations Cup you might not remember I do remember because I'm Scotland till I die went down to Wales and albeit not the principality and that's maybe the thing for Wales is under Pivac you got to feel for him he, you know he's I don't know how many games he plays at the principality no fans Wales is all built on playing home games in my opinion with the emotion and he hasn't had that and neither of the players so I do feel for him I, I I don't want to see him get sacked but you're playing against Ireland first game and really on form and if you look at it Ireland could win that comfortably where's Ireland's form but Leinster's I look, yeah I, but I, I think the quality of players now Ireland's a different discussion around Sexton, don't be horrible. Being captain, is he fit at 10? But you look at the form of the players and the level that they're playing at, it sounds like I'm being really harsh to the Welsh. I'm not. I love Welsh people and I love the emotion that Wales bring. One of my favourite teams to play against because of the emotion that them games are charged with. But everything, in my opinion, IMO, is stacked against Wales. The pressure that Pivak's under, Alan Wynne-Jones... Is he fit? Is he back? He's captain. Is he good enough to play international rugby still? Mate, why are you being horrible? It's why horrible. Why being horrible, Jim? It's horrible. It's a horrible thing to say. You know, you've got George North in the team, Lee Halfpenny, unbelievable servants to rugby. But, you know, it, it, Ireland have got James Lowe, who is hungry, hungry as a testosterone fueled bull. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Lee Halfpenny ain't got none. He's given a lot of it away. He's got two or three kids. You know, George North is, you know, I'm sure he's got a bit of testosterone. But James Lowe is, he is screaming with energy. You know, you look at the centre partnership that Ireland can put out with Ringrose and, and Henshaw and James Ryan, just getting better and better. Just the, you know, you know the energy in that, back, whatever back row that they want to put out. I just feel like, I don't know. I get your points, Jim, but you look at the Wales team, and potentially you could have Halfpenny at fullback, George North on the wing, Jonathan Davis and Owen Watkin in the centres, Josh Adams on the other wing, Dan Bigger and Thomas Williams at halfbacks. I mean, that is a quality backline. Ken Owens is back, supposedly, um, at hooker as well. Dan Lydia, he's back. I think he's awesome. Mate, Dan Lydia is, is a quality player, but he's, he's a club player now. Just, oh, it's mate, just you're the horrible. Way, it's, you're it's, horrible. It's, it's not. It's he, he's 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 a quality player. He, he is, but you look at the Ireland back row. Look, look at the numbers that they're outputting. Look at what they do internationally. Yeah. I'm, I'm what I'm saying is Ireland are favourites, but this Wales team. You know, if Wales were playing Scotland tomorrow, I'd back Wales with the, with the team that they could put out over Scotland. And, <laughs> On and, the, uh, off the off the back of what? Uh, just what, the names. What, just just what, just some of the names that I'm I'm listing out there. Um, you know, what? With Jonathan so, Davis. So, so, so Jonathan well, Davis room. versus who? Versus Finn Russell. So bigger or Finn Russell? Um, it's a hard one because. Well, how are you even pausing? How are you even pausing when you say that? Arguably, because you can bigger, say Finn's I love better than Owen. I love bigger as well. Bigger's an unbelievable player. Uh, he gives you balance. Finn will give you magic or it's 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 boom or bust with Finn. Isn't it, Who doesn't like a magician? I know. <laughs> everyone, I know. We, everyone loves a magician. <laughs> exactly. But then, okay, so you're looking at the back row. Wells's back row could be Lydia, Tipperick, and Fallatown. If those three get anywhere near their their peak level, would you mean would you mean anywhere near their peak level? So you're agreeing with me that they're not at their peak level. 
well, who knows? Until you start the game, <laughs> no one's at their peak, are they? You could, you well, know, I, I'd, say talking... that I'd, I'd say Jamie Ritchie and Hamish Watson are in and around their peak in yeah. terms of their output. How are they playing for Glasgow and Edinburgh? I, do, do you know or not? Have you seen them? Hashtag always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not doing very well, are they, as, as teams? But well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's a hard Six Nations to call. Probably the toughest for a long time because of all the external factors. Wales, um, you know, I think success for them will be finish fourth above Scotland and Italy. And I don't mean that in terms of that's actual success. I think... You know, that just gives them a bit more time, Stephen Jones, to keep developing um, on the attack side. And, you know, they need continuity. They need their big names to be... You think of the Gatland era, they had a solid team without many injuries and without much change. And I think that's what he's looking for around consistency of selection. And, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll see that. So let's put it in perspective, and we can come back to this discussion next week. Wales have got Ireland this week. And then they go away to Scotland next week. So if they get beat by Ireland, tell the pressure that heading up to Scotland. And it's a big Six Nations for Andy Farrell as well, isn't it? And and Paul O'Connell. How good is that? How good is it seeing Paul O'Connell? Paulie. How good is it seeing Paulie? He was in the media with me. He got absolutely dominated live on ITV. And he's like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. This is a joke. He's a joker. He's a clown. And now he's running the show for Ireland with Faz, big Faz. Yeah, I think he's interconnected his rugby IQ around what it takes to win international lo- rugby. Can only help Ireland, can't it? Because he, you know, I've read his book and he is a real student of the game and how people play and train. And you know, his detail it'll be similar to Steve Borthwick. Absolute noise fest in terms of lineouts and and you know, you can only really tip the slipper to someone that can have that much impact, I reckon. So where England have had the wood over Ireland is that physicality and the set piece in the games that England have played against them. Ireland, if they want to be competitive, this is an awesome opportunity for Ireland to try and claim a grand slam again in the way that the fixtures lie. They've got France and England at home. Yes, they've got tough away games with Wales and and Scotland, but Paulie O'Connell could be the difference because since Joe Schmidt, has left and they had the disappointment in the World Cup. It's it's not been as an effective Ireland performance that we've seen for you know since they beat the All Blacks in when was that Andy Rowe, 2018, 2017? Oh, who knows? So they've got the ability, Ireland, but again, you could see Ireland I could see Ireland losing to Wales at the weekend. It sounds mad saying that. But I could also see, you know, Ireland beating everyone before them and, and it going down to the Grand Slam game with England at the death. So it's, that's why the Six Nations is so brilliant, even though there's no fans. Well, yeah, the Six Nations is back this weekend, and so is the Guinness Pipe Predictor on Match Pipe, which is just as exciting. So you can keep the spirit of the pub alive, even though you have to enjoy this year's tournament at home. It's the same format. Predict the scores, beat your mates, win great rugby prizes, and while free pints are off the table, there are some awesome prizes up for grabs, including signed shirts, ultimate home viewing bundles, and loads of wicked Guinness gear. And you can join the UK's biggest private league with the code RugbyPod. And we have some big news, lads. What? What's happened? Whoever wins the Rugby Pod League outright will win last year's Calcutta Cup match ball, signed by the captains Owen Farrell and Stuart Hogg. Oh, nice. I'll also add my name to it as well. If you want real value, yeah, go on. I'll put three signatures on there as well. Only if you're going to sell it on eBay. Well, let's get your predictions for round one then. England v Scotland. I want to let Jim go first, Dick. It's obvious what I'm going to say. I want to know what a real Scotsman says, or is he a plastic Scotsman? Is he voting with his heart or his head? 
my heart says Scotland by four. But if I was to put my mortgage on it, I'm going to go England by six. Um, by 60? Six. Six. <laughs> six. <laughs> it could have been 60 nearly slipped out. Of course, it's not going to be. I don't know what the weather's going to do. Not that I'm a weatherman, nor I need to be. No, I'm not. I'm going to go. I'm going to change it again. I'm going to go England by nine. I might change my mind later in the week. That, yeah, England by nine. I'm going England comfortably by 18. Eight, off the back of what? <laughs> the Tramadols. Mate, yeah, Tramadols, <laughs> Six Nations champions and Autumn Nations Cup champions. 18 points. What are you on? Wales v Ireland. Goody, oh. you go first, then I'll go. I'm going to go Ireland by, Ireland by eight. Oh, I was going to say Ireland by nine, so I'm going to stick with it. Italy v France. It's, it's a tough game sometimes for the, the French. It's in Italy. Becomes more difficult for France. Untabuk is is out. And the big question is, is Gregory all right? Is he? Because he had a knee scope and apparently he's back. Who has a knee up and then they're, they're fit two days later? The French. True, true. You know, when I was in France, I turned up having had shoulder surgery. I just played on the Barbarians tour against the Lions and got beat by 60 and gave away nine penalties. <laughs> but I had shoulder surgery three weeks before. I turned up at Montpellier, right? My shoulder is goosed. One of the hooks has fallen out that I'd put in because I blasted Davy Wilson and he went 50 metres up the pitch. You might remember it if you watched it. So the, the doctor came up to me and like put his hand on my shoulder and tapped it like this. Tapped it and it was like, no, no, sanctamen, sanctamen. <laughs> he just knew five weeks straight away. He knew he? five weeks straight away <laughs> just by doing it. I was like, mate, I'm happy with that. Five weeks, rocked up at a club in the south of France. Show me where the Marlboro lights are because that's what the French do. <laughs> so they're, they're nuts. Absolutely nuts. So you think they might have changed. But if Gregory, Gregory's all right, I think that France will be all right. But I think Italy will give them a game. I think, actually, I think Italy look better. I think I've seen improvements in there. Maybe not in the scoreline. No, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> first 20 minutes, let's just say what we say every year. First 20 minutes, first half, they'll be all right. And then France will pull away, probably really far back, and manscaped all the way up to the top, and they will put 20 on them, you'd mate, think. The French love a bush, though, mate, so I don't think they're fully manscaped. Yeah, it depends. So these are, they're young lads now. They've, they're watching this. They've probably been sold the dream. France by 20. One. Tw- 21 now. It's going up. Yeah. It's going up. Yeah, it just, just sounds better. I'm going to go a bit less. I'm going to go France by 16. Away from home. No untermac. Jalibert's good, but it's the first game. Sean Edwards will be just focusing on fucking smashing them. Just get, fucking, get offline and fucking smash them. Lean on back. Too back. So, yeah, I'm going to go France by 16. All right, I want to get your one to six. How's the tournament going to finish? Ah, the old league table, is it? Uh, I'm going to go England first, obviously. Uh, and then I'm between France and Ireland for second. Why, obviously, with England? So, Ireland favourites. Right. Ireland haven't beaten us in fucking donkey's years. Where's your next one? We play France at home. We beat their third team by two points in the Autumn Nations Cup, mate, in the final. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, mate, I've, of course I'm going to back England. We're favourites. We've I think we've won nine on the spin now. And, you know, Eddie is becoming more and more ruthless around how we play and making us impossible to play against. So, I'm going to back England first. Ireland second, France third, Wales fourth, Scotland fifth, and Italy sixth. Horrible. 
Italy haven't won a game in about 14 years, have they? Poor blokes. Here's my one to six. I think Ireland are going to win it. Ooh. I think the only game that Ireland will lose is Scotland. <laughs> you serious? In Scotland. I'm being serious. Okay. I'm being serious. Yeah. I'm going to go England second. England second. France third. Scotland Wales, I nearly said Italy. Wales, then Italy. <laughs> I think Wales are going to struggle. I, I, I don't know why I keep reiterating that. But there you go. There's my one to six. Don't put your house on it. Yeah. Do you remember when you said Wales would struggle in 2019? They won the Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> They're a team in transition, Goody. That's all I know now. You also said Exeter were slipping under the radar to win the European Championship. So. Well, look at them now. I don't know why I'm being horrible. Just I said it. I said it six months too early. Well, Manscaped is supporting us again this week, and Valentine's Day is coming up. Manscaped want to help get you sorted and looking sharp. They've got a whole range of products to get you feeling smart, trimmed, and looking and feeling your best, haven't they, guys? Oh yeah, I got the missus to manscape the life out of me before I went into surgery because it's going to be a long twelve weeks on crutches. I've been spraying the aftershave. They sent me some aftershave. Absolutely love it. A bit old school, not like Old Spice. Hand on heart, this is not me being salesy and pushing it out there. I absolutely love the aftershave. I smelled so regal, it was like, I just picture myself there with that sprayed, me nuts completely clear, <laughs> and the smell on me, the smell on me, I mean, my lucky wife is all I'm saying. Is that what she's saying though? She's not said it yet, no, but she's made it. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their below-the-waist grooming by getting your hands on the perfect package 3.0 and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUGBYPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code RUGBYPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Goody, the Premiership, Wasps. Who takes 50? Oh, What happened? I don't know. I've been on Tramadol all weekend. I've not seen any Rogers boys. What, the score that you saw, it happened. <laughs> No, mate, that, uh, that I woke up on Sunday and I sc- saw that Harlequins had scored 49 points. It wasn't 50, boys, so what you want about? Effectively it's, was. It's not taking 50 if you don't take 50. But, yeah, I mean, it was a perfect storm, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I think Quins have found their cup final this year. Uh, obviously, they can't play Saracens at home, so they played Wasps. Uh, they found their juices. You know, obviously, people have questioned them. They've made some statements around, you know, moving on from Guzzi and having a culture and all this stuff. And everyone's questioned their culture. And fair play to them. I'm going to hold my hands up. I didn't see that coming. I thought you'd get a bounce reaction. Um, but the perfect storm, Wasps missing a few players. Obviously, with England, Dan Robson had gone. Joe Launchbury's out injured. He would have been away with England anyway. Paolo Adogru, um, you know, being with the England squad. Jack Willis as well. And listen, it's no surprise that no Jack Willis for Wasps. Will Evans for Harlequins was... He was class. Um, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The breakdown. They dominated us at the breakdown. Marcus Smith was phenomenal. I'd be pretty harsh. Jacob Umunger, I think, went missing. Um, and that might be a bit too strong, but, you know, there was mistakes, there was errors, and everything that Quinns did, you get a bounce reaction, don't you? And it was a phenomenal performance by Harlequins. Let's not, you know, dress it up to be excuses around anything else. Quinn's needed a reaction. They've been abject. They've been poor for the last sort of four or five weeks. 
the players really fronted up, put their best foot forward. And a couple of things you, you say, where where have those performances been over the last four, five, six weeks? Obviously, there was an issue there between coach and player. The players have obviously gone to the board and said, Guzzi's not right for us because, you know, he's been too hard on us or whatever. Um, and they weren't putting it in the jersey. But you, you rewind maybe six, eight weeks, they did that sort of performance away at Northampton and they're also down at Gloucester as well. Um, so they've got it in them. Harlequins. We know that they can be a very good side. Obviously, Joe Marler played exceptionally well at Loosehead Prop. He wasn't involved with England. You know, Danny Kerr was there and on form and a point to prove after, you know, speaking to the, the CEO a bit about Gustard. Um, you know, Mike Brown, I think he's been frustrated that he wasn't offered a new deal and, you know, he's trying to potentially earn a new deal now. So a perfect storm. Tip the slipper to Harlequins. Marcus Smith, as Jim said on Twitter, write your checksum. Name your price um, because they should be going to Marcus Smith and saying, here's a four-year deal on, and it starts with a five. Um, you, we're building a club around you because he is phenomenal. Um, and we spoke, I think it was last week or the week before, about England squads and Eddie Jones with the shadow squad. He's picked Charlie Atkinson, who couldn't get in the match day 23 for Wasps. And I don't mean that in any detriment to Charlie Atkinson because he's a quality young player coming through. But Marcus Smith's on another level. How's he not in the shadow squad? He was phenomenal. Yeah, he was class, wasn't he? Front football, they dominated the collisions, they dominated the set piece, they dominated the breakdown, they got quick ball. And we all know you sit off a Harlequins team when they've got their, you know, the wind in their sails and they are a very good side. And, you know, Esterhausen was, uh, was physical at 12 and it was the makings of, what you would have kind of expected a Paul Gustard team to to show with a bit of extra spice from Nick Evans in attack and you know credit to the Quinns players and team and the management and the coaches for getting that reaction one swallow doesn't make a summer though does it and that's the that's always the issue with Harlequins you know they've, they've always got the ability to have a massive performance like that but consistency is always questioned and um, you know time will tell whether you know they can do it week to week to week because um, you know as a Quinns fan that's what you want now you've set the bar um, and that's what you, you expect them to produce, you know, next week in the Premiership, and you know the following six or seven weeks in in terms of Premiership rugby. Do you think they will? No. <laughs> Why be an horrible Jim? I, I don't know what the refle- I don't know where the reflection is with Quinns. Is it a reflection on Guzzi or is it a reflection of the players? Is that a reflection yeah. on Paul Gustard not being a great coach, or is that a reflection on the players just not putting it in? Is it up to the coach to make the players want to play for their club? Now, what do you it think? Was a, it, I, th- I think it's a reflection of the pl- uh, of the players. That's that's what I personally think. So if they back it up and they carry on backing it up, and I'm not saying they need to win every game, but if they play like that, like Goody says, with the physicality, um, their set piece was dominant. They looked hungry, like they work off the ball. They, they looked like a different team. Yeah. Then it's a reflection of the coach that they had before. That obviously he was doing a shit job. But if they do that performance and then it drops off, then it's a reflection of the Quinn's culture. And in my opinion, you look at their results over recent years, that's what it is. I played against Quinn's for Saracens and I was like, fucking, like these, I couldn't believe how physical they were. Like I was almost in shock with how physical they were. Like James, James Horwell smashing into Crusoe. Crusoe gets banjo, he goes off the pitch. Every time they go through um, or make a break, you're getting patted on the back of the head or you're getting kneed off the ball in the back. You know, my my interactions with Marler around um, the try that they scored, I just, they were niggly, they were physical, energised, like they were, they were, they were wicked. Whereas, mm. 
that that was one game, and I, and then you watch them; they're unrecognisable the following week. So, Quinns are a club that a lot of players would want to go to for obvious reasons. They're sponsored by Adidas. What more do you want? Your training gear—you look incredible. Um, you know, you, you'd wear your stash down the pub if they were open. Um, but they need to sort it out. They need to bring the right person in, whether or not they do bring someone in or they they keep it as is, as you were, as Liam Gallagher said. And this is the thing with them. So, and Jim said it, I alluded to it as well. This has been historically how they've always performed. So we know they've got a big performance in them, but year on year. And, you know, if you're still harping on about when you won the league in 2012 by playing this certain brand of rugby, the game's moved on in the eight years that you're talking about. And if you're still harping back to that as a club, then, you know, that's where you're doing yourselves a disservice. It was only late November and early December when they beat Northampton away and beat Gloucester away convincingly in the Premiership. And then they fell off a cliff because he'd obviously not re-signed his contract, got spanked by Bristol, got spanked by Rassim, and then they pull out a big performance like that. So, yeah, it's consistency and, and whether they've got the ticker to do it week in, week out. And, yeah, that's what champion sides do. It's what Saracens did for years. That's what Exeter are doing at the minute. Um, and it's literally everyone else trying to trying to catch up and, and find that level of consistency. But credit to Quinns, they were good. Can they back it up? They go to Bath, I think, this weekend. Uh, Bath will be hurting from, you know, getting their pants pulled down against Bristol uh, on Friday night. And so oh we shall my. see. How good the Bristols look? Very good. Very good. Front foot, ridiculous. They look favourites in my IMO. From every angle, they had, whether it was going wide, whether it was turnovers, whether it was Nathan Hughes had a big game. Um, you know, Lua Tua. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, he did have a big game. But... He, carried, he carried well, mate. He was, they were physical. They were on the front foot, though, the whole time. Bath, and I said it on Twitter. I don't know whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. To, I've heard rumours that Hooper's lost the dressing room. And then you see a performance like that. Is Stuart Hooper, as DOR, a kind of, and I hate saying this, but a bit of a yes man to Bruce Craig because Bruce is a control freak of, a, of an owner. You just don't know, do you? But I have heard rumblings around the place at Bath that it's not a happy camp um, with the way you know Stuart Hooper is with some of the players. And, and that's where you see a performance like that. That's their biggest ever defeat to their nearest and dearest. Bath are another club. Did they, they finish fourth by default last season, didn't they? And yeah. you look at that, you're thinking potentially they might do something, but... They're another team. I don't know. I've just never, not not warm to Bath, but you, you think they've got everything. They've got a rich owner, great place to play rugby, albeit the stadium is council owned and the away changing room's tiny and it gets waterlogged a lot. But we spoke to Freddie Burns last year, I think it was, and he weren't very happy with that, everything that was going on there. Look at their training centre as well at Farley House. Ridiculous. So they're a club where you think like they should be giving out so much more. But again, you look at yeah, you look at their performance against Bristol, and I've been in games like that where I've had fifty, uh, you know, like the Wasps Saracens game where you just ain't winning the game. You're getting hammered, and there ain't no way back. I mean, the one saving grace is the, the fact that they didn't take sixty or seventy because that's what it looked <laughs> it like. It, it could have been. Yeah. It could have been. But we've seen that the reason that is is like you know. The game's won, isn't it, from a, a Bristol perspective or going back to the Wasp game from a Quinn's perspective as well. So it's difficult to carry on that momentum. But Bristol's my word. You keep semi-fit. You keep, you know, uh, Piertown, Nathan Hughes, more so Luatua for me. Um, and, you know, Harry Randall, Sheedy, obviously now international honours. You're looking at Harry Randall for the Six Nations as well. Come the business end of the season, I tell you where I feel for Bristol. It's the same thing with Exeter. Everything that Bristol's have been through, 
that the fact that they're because they've got an unbelievable support base, right? Yeah. That they're not there to watch all oh, my semi, absolutely ripping up. Yeah. What about when semi gets the ball uh, and he's clean through? Does JJ really easily on the inside, and then it's Josh Matavesi with fifty meters each side to try and stop Semi Randrandra. And Semi looks like he's walking, jogging, doing whatever he wants to do. Josh Matavesi, poor bloke. That's the biggest fear for anyone being stood at the back, where you can get rinsed on either side. And he didn't even get close to laying a finger on. Just him. faint. I think at that point, <laughs> just fall over, slip, faint, or snap your hamstring. That's it. <laughs> like they're the three options that you've got there. Because either way, you're going to look like an idiot. But I thought Matavesi actually the one Bath player that actually rocks up physically every week. So again. It's no slight on him. It's semi. Oh, my semi, Randrandra. We'll touch on the other games shortly, but while we're speaking on Bristol, I caught up with their defence and collision coach, Omar Mon and me, on our superfan subscription service on patreon.com recently. So have a listen to this. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Then you, um, then you go to Super Rugby, and you, you made the final, didn't you, with the Stormers? Yeah, so that's a funny story as well, because Rassi Erasmus asked to see me, because he heard about the physicality stuff, and he loves physicality. Um, so he asked for a meeting and I'll never forget. He pulled up a chair, turned it backwards. And he called me Ninja and he said, listen, you know, Ninja, come, Tommy, give, your, <laughs> give me yourself Ninja. You know, and Jacques Nienova is the current Springbok head coach. He was the defense coach at the time. Uh, he said, listen, you know what our story is here. You know, we, we got a good completion. We drift well, got a good system. We want to basically iron guys out, like smash guys. Give me the story, go. So again, I was like, rugby players are super stiff. They don't have great mobility. You know, what you can learn from MMA is they've got multi-directional power. Da, da, da. He goes, okay, 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 that's nice. This guy's out in demo. What he didn't know is I brought two of the Springbok 7 guys with me. Um, so that was uh, Shoes, uh, Mario Skuman and um, Paul and Bjorz are the captain. He sees them, like, what are you two guys doing? I said, no, we're coming to support Omsa. It's like, wow, he's quite impressed by that. Start demoing on them. Mate, not even seven minutes in, he says to me, that's enough, seen enough. Always really excuse him. I want to chat to him in the office. We went to the office and he said to me, how much do you want? You're in. We want to give you a contract. And I was still in the office with Jacques and the guys. I was like, uh, I need to think this over. I need to think up an amount. I'm not sure. And he said, no, you must know an amount. Now, I was getting peanuts at the sevens. I think we wouldn't cover the fines I got to get there on time. Um, but it was something worth 200 pounds. And uh, I, I literally said, can't just think it over. He said, mate, listen, do you want to work with the Stormers? I said, yes. He goes, well, I want an answer. How much do you want? And I just said, like, a crazy, I just thought, I must have a figure. I said, quite a high figure compared to what I was getting. Like, I thought it was like five times more than what I was getting. Anyway. So you went big? Yeah, I went well, big for them. And he went, no, not big for me anyway. Anyway, Jock, what's in your budget? Greg, what's in your budget? Yes, that's going to be fine. That's going to be good. We're going to send you a contract. And that's all she wrote. And my mandate was to work with, in October, with all the, they used to call, the, you know, the fatties group, like Hanyani Shamangi was a Springbok, Vickers Blau, Brock Harris, uh, all the guys who were playing Super Rugby, they were, weren't in shape and weren't smashing Hio Aplon, all these guys, the equivalent of uh, Chess and Colby back in the day. And my mandate was getting physical as hell. And that's how it started. And then I learned my trade from Rusty. I was very blessed. In that period, I learned all my rugby from Rusty. How good of a coach is he? Mate, that, that was profound because he's exactly like Pat in the sense of obsessed. We will go into a meeting, discuss ball placement for two hours and watch 50 clips, you know, tackle technique, you know, how do you choke? How do you control a tricep? Line speed. Why would you do this? Why would you do that? When's good to go in the breakdown? Attacking shapes. Now, why wouldn't tip on there? We'll watch it like 10 hours in a row and debate everything to death. It's incredible. What I learned from Rassi is really, is, I always give him credit for that. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. 
There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you like the sound of that and get access to over 70 more interviews, all for less than a price of a cup of coffee or a pint. And we couldn't do all this without you. So a massive thank you to everyone who's already signed up for your support. You mentioned your mate uh, Alex Sanderson before, Jim. He got off to a good start, didn't he, at Sale? Yeah, big win. Leicester have been fairly good of late. You know, a bit of emotion going into that game. Youngsy, Tom Youngs. 200 games, was it? Yeah, 200 to the Leicester game. Welcome to the club, Youngsy. Bit of emotion for them going into going into the game. And he scored? Yeah, he scored as well. Um, but again, that was a game that could have went anyway. But you could see the kind of narrative around it, Alex Anderson going and uh, and them going down to Welford Road and getting a win. Yeah, the big turning point. Leicester were in charge, I think, for the first 20 or so minutes. Um, I think they were 8-0 eight, eight, eight up. Um, and then Wiggy throws an intercept. Leicester on the attack, Wiggy throws an intercept, Sam James, my old mullet, honestly the worst mullet I've ever seen in my life, dipped in blonde highlights as well. Um, plucks it out the sky and runs it in. He looked like he was treading water, but he ran it in from 70. Uh, and that was the turning point in the game. Leicester were in complete control. And and then Faf de Klerk started kicking well and sales power came through. Unbelievable crossfield kick under pressure from AJ McGinty. Do you see that? Right at the line off his left foot as well. He's right footed. I'm saying it came off his shin, but it was a perfectly executed kick and uh, Marlon Yard took the, the the ball and scored in the corner. So yeah, Sale play well. They're going to be good. We've, we've said it, haven't we? They've got a quality squad. They've now got a leader in Alex Anderson who will get them working well and hard and with enjoyment. And I think that you're going to see a lot of smiles on people's faces playing for Sale. I'd be going all out if I was Sale to get Marcus Smith all out as well. AJ McGinty, love him. Absolutely love him. think he's been brilliant. Massive player for sale, but I think for sales evolution and longevity, you bring a Marcus Smith into that on the front foot with the big South Africans carrying Route One. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard Owen Farrell's going there. Another defeat for Gloucester this time at home to Saints. How bad are things at the King's Home at the moment? What do you say? What do you say? Love Gloucester, love the club, what it stands for, but what do you expect? Look at the changes again that have gone through that club. At some point, it's going to be to the detriment of the long-term future of the club. And then all of a sudden, poor George Skivington is you left with the pieces to pick up. Mostart, the, the South African second row, your best player, he leaves without even a question. You're like, well, hang on. What's going on then? So you think of, you've got your best players leaving the club, all your coaches have left, and I go back to it. Poor George Givington is left there to pick up the pieces. And they're not that far away. That's the thing. But the bottom of the prem. And they're lucky that there's no relegation. I know it's not been confirmed, but Possibly. it looks that way. They're lucky that there's no relegation this year because they are on their knees at the minute. And uh, I say on their knees. They're not on their back yet. Yeah, they're definitely on one knee. And it's a real shame because... Where do you go from here? Like, what do you do now? Because your best players, like Pelledri's injured long-term. Johnny Mays away with England. Lewis Rees Samet. Away with Wales. So, you know. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough. Your away record is shocking as well. I don't think they've won an away game for 17 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Lance Bradley did an interview, though, saying that he doesn't think there should be relegation from the Premiership this year. No shit, Sherlock. When you're bottom of the league, your CEO is definitely making that statement. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Jim. There's been changes. 
they, they can only deal in the here and now. Alex King's a good coach. George Givington, good guy, very inexperienced. You know, you hope that they pull through or there's ring fencing so they don't go down. That's their only hope at the minute, the way it looks. Well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you as usual by Sons, the men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They offer a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss as well as a free online consultation with GPs and they deliver via a monthly or three monthly subscription service direct to your door. It's reasonably priced with no contract or hidden charges and most importantly, they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So just visit sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk and the code is RUGBYPOD20. Yeah, plenty of good this week and we're going to start off in South Africa with the Bulls beating the Sharks 26-19 after extra time to win the Curry Cup for the first time in 11 years. I'm a little bit disappointed because obviously I play for the Sharks and it's one of my old teams. But the Bulls, credit to them, winning it first time in 11 years. Big shout out to those boys. Um, We'll go over to the top 14. What's going on at Claremont? Because they've lost at home again. Bordeaux beat them. 37-36. Oh, cl- close. It was close. Didn't see it. I didn't see it, but it sounded good. Gone are the days when Claremont don't lose at home games because they've lost a few now. And Bordeaux, the latest team to win their 37-36. Hell of a game it was. Staying in the top 14. Got to get an old club of mine in the good. Breath. Breathe. Me, our beauties. Ha- what's happened with Breath? We beat Toulon. 25-23 at home. And didn't we've see now it. won... We, we, being brief, we, we've now won six of our last seven games. We've moved up to the lofty heights of ninth in the top 14, Jim. Congrats, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, over to the Guinness Pro 14, Leinster, winning 52-25 away at the Scarlets, despite having their under-14s play, and they had 16 players away with Ireland. Uh, they were just phenomenal again, back to their best. Where should we go next in the good? We'll go to Wasps. Why? Because Wasps made a huge signing last week. A young gentleman called Alexander Goodwin was a virtual signing. Um, they announced his signing pre-match. Uh, he's a young cancer survivor and is now in remission from a rare form of bone and soft tissue cancer in the leg and the hip. So along with Vodafone, uh, Wasp partners and sponsors, uh, they helped out with a body-worn camera technology. So he arrived on the team bus with the boys and was part of the warm-up. He had his picture on the on the post as well so a massive thing for was to do uh the first virtual signing made in premiership rugby history and what a brilliant brilliant bloke alexandra goodwin is he's fought cancer he's in remission um so a hell of a thing to do from wasp so they get a mention in the good for that for that i'll let you off then just just this once because i did think that was an incredibly not just good but a good thing so fair play alexander good that good good on you buddy what else is good we'll put them in there jim your favorite team Harlequins, uh, Harlequins. Um, we gave them some stick last week, and rightly so. But they bounced I'd, back. I've, I've not given them any stick, you, mate. You've given them stick week on week on week. I think, but they bounced back after getting Guzzy ousted. The players fronted up, found some ticker, hell of a performance. Let's just see if uh, they can do it every week. Because as the saying goes, one swallow doesn't make a summer, does it, James? I don't know. You said that earlier, and I didn't know whether you're on about swallow and summoning someone. One swallow doesn't make a summer. The bird. So if that's the riddle, peel back. That means that <laughs> swallows in your life only turn up in the summer. Yes, James. There you go. I mean, that's an easy one. There we go. Um, what else was good? Uh, we're going to go to another old player, actually. 
uh, an ex-player, Dafford James. Have you heard about this challenge that he's done? Well, I know that he's shredded to the hills and the man can run, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to see someone post-rugby who has still got about 0.3% body fat, he is your man. Uh, the former Wales winger and British and Irish Lion has just completed 31 marathons in 31 days throughout January. That's 812.2 miles of running, rowing and cycling to raise money for mental health charity, Haffle and Noah's Ark charity. I mean, what an amazing thing to do. Noah's Ark charity is obviously a children's hospice in Wales. Haffle is the mental health charity. I mean, what a bloke. 31 marathons in 31 days in January. I ain't got one marathon in me in my lifetime. Are you? Do you even want me to answer your question or my question? The rhetorical question. I ain't either. Believe it or not. <laughs> so uh, a big tip of the slipper to Daffy James. Uh, but the good this week has to go to the Bristol Bears, aka the Bristol Bearbacks, aka the Bristol. Just give it semi. The Bristol semis, we'll call them from now on. Uh, Phenomenal performance. They beat Bath 48 points to three, which is their biggest win over them in the 132-year history of the fixture. They're top of the premiership. They're clear. They're playing a brand of rugby that excites everyone. Everyone wants to watch them play. No one probably wants to play against them. So um, tip of the slipper to the Bristol boys. The bad. Uh, Where do we go with the bad? Uh, Montpellier-Poo. I mean, Montpellier. Could be going down. Yeah, nine straight defeats now. Uh, they lost at home to Racing at the weekend. Uh, that was pretty bad. Didn't see it. No. Saw the result, didn't see it. Close. It. it was close, but they lost again. But I think they'll escape because they'll end up in a playoff game against a team from Pro D Dirt if they do finish 13th out of 14. Only one automatic relegation spot in the top 14, which is definitely Agen because they haven't won a fucking game all year. Um, what else is bad? Gloucester. Five straight Premiership defeats now in a row after losing at home to the Saints and they're rock bottom of the table. Not a good performance by them. I wouldn't say rock bottom, but I'd say bottom. They're only a few points off Worcester. It's, not, it's hardly rock bottom. They're, they're the, mate, they're rock bottom. What's above a rock? They're on top of the rocks. They're on top of the rocks. But the rocks are on the bottom of the table. Very um, true. I'll take it. So that is bad. Uh, what else is bad? Are you ready, James? Wasps. I've got to say it. I've got to put them in there. Got to put them in there. A poor performance. Uh, what do you mean? You, what do you mean? You've got you, you're trying to justify the fact that you're putting in there. They should be in the ugly. It was They're, absolutely uh, <laughs> ridiculous how bad they played. It wasn't as bad as Bath, uh, but Wasps do get a mention in the bad. Shipping 49 points at home to Harlequins <gasps> uh, wasn't a good performance. Got beaten in every facet of the game. Um, so a not good week for Wasps fans, employees, ambassadors. Call us what you will. Klingons. That's not very nice, is it, James? Well, no, I just I threw I'm on about people who kind of like wasps, but they don't. Like <laughs> well, you said you liked them last week. I'm a Klingon. Yeah, okay, there we go. So you put yourself in there. Uh, but the bad this week, unfortunately, has to go to Bath, their biggest ever derby defeat to Bristol's. Uh, they didn't look interested at times. Defence was optional. I didn't think they are all fully committed to the jersey. So Bath have their pants pulled down, their skid marks on show everywhere, and they get the bad this week, Jim. I, don't, I, I think you could have gone either way with them, Wasps or Bath, I'll be honest, but well, no, cause, it's cause your Wasp segment. Wasps scored 17 points, mate, so, you know, Bath only scored three. And very then the ugly, true, uh, only one bit of ugly I could find, yeah, only one bit of ugly I could find this week, um, and it was Duncan Piawa. Uh, he has a high shot for Toulon and got a red card against Breve. No one goes in high against my old Breve boys. High shot, shoulder to the head, straight red card, um, and Toulon went on to lose that game. So the ugly this week goes to Duncan Piawa. Thanks, Gertie. And Jim, you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you? 
Yeah, I got a shout out. I'm doing a virtual event on Friday for the Sportsman Charity. It's obviously ahead of the Six Nations game, Scotland, England. It's myself, Nathan Hines, Al Kellock, Alex King. Just to reiterate, it's for the Sportsman Charity. They raise funds for a number of different charities um, across the UK. Normally they do it, obviously not virtually, but they can't this year. It's £20 a ticket. None of us are getting paid to do it. We're doing it out of the goodness and the love of my big, I was going to say hairy heart. I don't think my heart's hairy. It might be hairy. So if you want to get in, get on board with that, it's 20 quid a ticket, Sportsman Charity. If you put that into Google and you will find it. It's pretty easy. And join us. It'll be virtual. I'll be there. You'll be there. And it'll be great. Yeah, it should be a good night, Jim. I've got one as well. Um, a massive shout out to Rob Wills, um, who is a serving British Army officer and a lifetime rugby fan. Um, he's been deployed all over the world and have seen hardships that families face during war and natural disasters. He's doing an especially hard challenge um, during this global pandemic where he's trying to support people who have lost everything and cannot isolate themselves. He's completing a charity event for Shelterbox, who have provided shelter to over one and a half million families worldwide. And Rob is marching uh, 100 miles in five days with a 20 kilogram shelter box on his back. You can get involved by looking at his Just Giving page uh, and typing in Robert Wills 20, or you can text Wills to 70450 to donate £5. Text cost £5 plus one standard rate message. Um, so massive shout out to Rob, uh, doing a big thing there, marching 100 miles in five days with 20 kilos on his back for families that need shelter and an amazing charity in Shelterbox. Love that, especially in these conditions. Well done, Rob. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. Rugby pod. Come on, Scotland. Come on, you can do it. Absolutely no chance, Jim. Pod, pod, pod. Well, you probably heard a few weeks ago, I've launched a brand new podcast and we've had some awesome guests on so far. The feedback has been unreal. So far, we've had a Top Gun pilot from the RAF, a crocodile hunter, some former SAS soldiers, the UK's number one fitness expert, the bodyguard for celebrities like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie and Clint Eastwood, a government advisor on the future, which is gnarly, and a UFO expert from the UK's Ministry of Defence. Plus, I've just recorded one with the Stig from Top Gear where he gives me all the secrets on how he kept his identity hidden for so long. You don't want to miss that one. So go and check it out. It's called The Andy Rowe Show and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts.